This is the MG Car Club podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. In this week's episode, we hear the history of the oldest regional centre in the MG Car Club, the Midland Centre, from their chairman, Roger King. Plus, we hear the latest from the FBHVC on the ban on petrol vehicle manufacturer from 2030 and the latest results from the National Historic Vehicle Survey. The MG Car Club podcast. Hello and welcome to another MG Car Club podcast. Wayne Scott with you. I hope you're well. And Adam, somewhere in his house. Where are you, Adam? Uh, I'm still in the bedroom, mate. Um, what, since last yeah. week? Have you not moved? <laughs> no, I, ha- I have moved. Uh, I've actually upgraded my setup uh, this week, though. I've, I've stolen uh, the office chair from Lily's bedroom, my daughter. Ah. Um, so rather than being perched on a small crate with my knees up around my ears, I'm on a, I'm on a little chair. Excellent. Well, it's very important to paint the scene, really, so everyone knows where we are. Uh, I'm in my usual office, as I have been since, well, the very beginning of this podcast, way back 33 weeks ago, amazingly. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those grey days in November where you realise suddenly that winter's upon us. But I got a real sense that winter was upon us last weekend when I was watching the virtual version of the NEC Classic Motor Show. Of course, the big show that's held in Birmingham every year that's usually our season closer. And it brought it all home to me, Adam, really, that we weren't there when I watched the virtual version. Well, I say we weren't there in person. Of course, we were there as part of the virtual proceedings. And we unveiled our 90 finalists in the MG Car Club 90th anniversary photo contest. And I think it's safe to say it went down well with the classic car community, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was a brilliant way to um, sort of replace the show. So weird not uh, not being with everyone. Um, I don't know if like you, but you get your memories pop up on different social medias, Instabook, Facegram, that sort of thing. Um, And you see, you know, this day, two years ago, this day, five years ago, and every single one um, most recently has been all NEC photos, you know, catching up with friends, catching up with journalists and members of the press um, and just having a really good weekend in, in Birmingham. And it was just weird not to be there but yeah the virtual show was was a brilliant idea um and full credit to all the guys from the classic motor show for, for putting it together because it was really really well done absolutely and great to be a part of it and hopefully it'll be the first and last we ever see because hopefully next november we'll be back at the nec meeting everyone in person Well, one of the interesting parts of that virtual show was, of course, the unveiling of the statistics we were all waiting for, and that was the 2020 National Historic Vehicle Survey undertaken by the Federation of British Historic Vehicle Clubs, which, of course, the MG Car Club is a major member of. And I do know for sure that lots of the MG Car Club membership contributed to that survey, and it represents a lot of the data from the MG Car Club members. So we'll have a look at what all of that meant in just a moment, but time to get through some of your messages because we like to get you on the podcast, dear listener, and explain what you're asking us and what you're talking about. And uh, a couple of emails through from the first one here is from Steve Lark, Adam. Uh, and he wanted to we've started something now you see because we mentioned the mgb registers regalia and merchandise now the midget register have been on (laughs) and they want us to talk about their regalia and merchandise uh, which i just have so that's fantastic but it is there easy to find Uh, you can find it online at mgcc.co.uk forward slash midget hyphen register 
Just follow the links on the menu buttons there. And uh, they've got all sorts of things, actually. Uh, nice stuff for Christmas, actually, as well. So the official Midget Register clothing, now available. You can get it online. We'll have a more detailed look at that as we go through the weeks towards Christmas. But thanks to Steve Lark for sending us the link and the reminder on that. And also, he says, great to listen to your podcasts. Everyone who I've nudged to listen to them have come back with very positive feedback, which is excellent, isn't it, Adam? We like that. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> nice. That's nice to hear. Thanks, Steve. Even better than that, and this is really good, Steve has suggested some interviewees for us that we get in touch with, um, specifically based around midgets here as well. Um, one is one of their members with a K-Series engine in his midget, so I think we will be talking to those people that Steve suggested very, very soon. So, Steve Lark, thank you very much for that. You can do it too. mgpodcast.uk, use the contact form there. If there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss on this podcast, which is your podcast, let us know and we'll put it on the show. So, thanks, Steve. Also, a message from over there in Ireland. And David Barry says, I look forward to listening every week to the MG Car Club podcast here in Cork. Please keep up the good work. So we'll say hello to all our friends over in Ireland, Adam. Nice. Yeah, I've uh, I've been to Ireland a couple of times. Never seen any MGs over there, though. Well, maybe we ought to go and give uh, a visit to Barry over there. And uh, oh, That sounds like a brilliant idea. I'm, I'm partial to a pint of uh, Magnus Irish cider as well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's make it happen, mate. Well, Adam, I have to give you a quick preview because you remember that we talked about some controversy that we'd stirred up here on the podcast between who was older and who had the older events between the Southwest Centre and the Midland Centre. Well, firstly, happy to say that we've got the chairman of the Midland Centre joining us on this very episode to put the Excellent. record straight and uh, tell us a little bit about their amazing history. But also... In the coming weeks here on the MG Car Club podcast, we're going to be talking about the Cream Cracker Trials cars, those work-supported cars that Cecil Kimber championed on the Land's End and Exeter Trials in particular. And we have recorded an interview with, with Jonathan Toolmin, who is the son of one of the drivers that Cecil Kimber asked to drive the Cream Cracker MGs. So Jonathan is going to be talking us through the history of the cream cracker team and their involvement with the southwest center and the midland center and all of that stuff to do with the cream cracker trials cars that was the works team in the future episode on this podcast so uh, it's a cracker you're going to want to listen to it it's really interesting episode with the cream crackers will be a cracker of course of course <laughs> <laughs> no that's brilliant because you know there is so much that you know we all don't know about the the history and and some of the stories and it's all well and good getting stuff from books but to speak to the family of the people who actually went and did those things is um well you can't get any better can you it's one of those interviews where i was just enthralled for ages listening to jonathan and these stories and just sharing my passion for trialing with someone who has such an amazing family heritage with the sport as well so you will want to keep listening to the mg car club podcast over the coming weeks and not miss that one of course you can find all the episodes at mgpodcast.uk they're distributed via the email newsletter that goes out to all mg car club members over the weekend and also of course it will be posted to our social media sites as well now, we did mention that there was news of motions in government regarding the banning of the sale of new petrol and diesel cars by 2030. That has now been announced, and it has caused quite a lot of conversation 
in amongst the classic car world, as you can well imagine. And just today, on the day of recording this podcast, the FBHVC has released a position statement on their viewpoint on the government ban of the sale of new cars with internal combustion engines from 2030 worth adding of course that hybrid vehicles follow the same sanctions just five years late in 2035 the move is part of uk government's 12 billion strategy for stimulating green industry and quite naturally has caused huge concern amongst the motor industry creating new cars and the government has promised 1.3 billion investment in establishing a charging infrastructure across the country to service the demands of the new electric vehicles. The move, I suppose, suggests that government policy is going to still support the use of private vehicles as a mode of daily transport, but not when they're required to be powered by fossil fuels. So what does that mean for us in the historic vehicle movement? Well, the Federation have said that their point of view is that they're not there to discuss, debate or get involved with any controversy around what the future of cars and road transport looks like and i think quite rightly they don't want to be getting into arguing for or against electric cars in the future their job and our job as the mg car club for our historic mgs is to ensure that the freedoms to use historic or existing cars that are already on the road that have already been manufactured from classic cars right the way through to those that haven't been classed as classics yet because they're not yet 30 years old the freedoms to use those cars remain long into the future so the fbhvc have said that they are going to be focusing on three areas in the coming years regarding this issue the first is to ensure the ban on new vehicles does not extend to restrictions on the use of pre-existing vehicles powered by fossil fuels. In particular, historic vehicles over 30 years old and future historic vehicles, of which we've got loads in the MG Car Club, of course, that are yet to reach the rolling 30-year classification of historic Secondly, that they're going to be monitoring the effects of changing mainstream consumer demand for petrol and diesel on the accessibility and affordability of fuel supplies for vehicles requiring fossil fuels. So naturally, if everyone on the roads is not needing petrol, it may well become more difficult for us guys running petrol cars or diesel cars to buy that fuel in the future because there's not going to be the demand to warrant big petrol stations on every street corner anymore. That's something that the FBHVC are going to be watching and dealing with very closely. And their final point is that they're going to be lobbying for the protection of fossil fuel supplies long into the future to service historic vehicles. What they are saying is to urge caution amongst all of us in the historic vehicle community to not panic about this news. Historic vehicles are not in any way about to be made obsolete or unusable as a result of the announcement that the government has made. And actually, we'll talk about this in a little moment. The 2020 National Historic Vehicle Survey was revealed during the NEC Virtual Classic Motor Show. And some of the figures are staggering. One and a half million historic vehicles now registered in the UK. And this is the big number. The historic vehicle sector contributes a huge £7.2 billion to the UK economy. And it's doing that through highly skilled jobs that are going to be vital to the regeneration of the UK's economy post-pandemic and post-Brexit. So in short, Adam, they cannot afford to ignore us and they cannot afford to legislate what is crucial history and heritage of our nation off the roads. 
No, definitely. And I think, you know, this this underlines um, the importance of a body like the FBHVC. I've spoken about it before on the podcast because I, I do very firmly believe that it's so important that every club should be part of the federation. You know, we, we at the MG Car Club are, are very proud to be part of the federation because it gives us a voice it gives us um an opportunity to to get our our opinions heard um by the lawmakers um and it's so important that there is protections put in place for the use of not just you know your your, your classic and vintage um mgs but also you know the people that are, are running I don't know, ZRs from 2005 or maybe an MG3 from 2010. You know, these are people's pride and joy. Um, and, you know, everyone ha- should have that right to use and enjoy those vehicles protected. Because as time goes on, the age rolls on, the the inclusion for, a, for classic and historic status rolls on. So once those cars get to 30 years old... They are considered classic cars. And, you know, it's really scary when you think that, you know, things like ZR, ZS, ZT are right on the cusp of joining those that, that group. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's vital work and it's a, a really important statement and I urge all of our listeners to go and have a read. Well, the government also needs to take note of the fact that despite that huge financial input of £7.2 billion every year into the economy, which, by the way, is larger than the equestrian sector and is larger than the UK fisheries sector. And we all know how much fuss has been made over that during the conversations about Brexit. But despite 7.2 billion, we only contribute 0.2% of the total annual miles driven in the UK on the roads every year. So we're generating all of that income for UK PLC out of such a small amount of road use such a small amount of engine use and such a small amount of cars on the road that it's very very tiny in the overall aim to reduce carbon emissions to the levels safe for the health and the future of the planet it's also important to think to remember that of, of that overall picture of emissions and, and greenhouse gases and all the, the um, data that's collated the the amount that our cars contribute to that is is so 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 tiny um you know how many miles would i have to do in my mgb to 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 generate the equivalent of a of a diesel boat traveling from you know from i don't know london to or from southampton to new york Mm. you know it's it's a tiny tiny amount yeah and especially when you start comparing it to aviation um you know and up until now of course we've been happy to hop on planes but that uses vast amounts of fuel probably as much fuel as a classic mg uses in the whole lifetime of its life cycle you know so just just different numbers so the message is there don't panic about this news it really does affect new cars and it affects the future of transport and of course let's not forget and we talk about this through the lens of some exciting new electric mgs coming onto the market some of those vehicles in 20 30 years time are going to be historic vehicles too those early teslas are going to be classic cars one day so we mustn't start having some kind of battle against electric vehicles what we must do is ensure that We have the supply of fuels to continue to use our transport heritage 
on the road. Just the same way that no one ever wants to see the end of preserved steam railways. If you want to read the position statement from the FBHVC in more detail, you'll find it on the news pages of the MG Car Club website at mgcc.co.uk. I know the office at Kimber House has had a lot of questions about this in recent days, so do go and have a look at that statement on there. The MGCC is a big partner and big member of the Federation of British Historic Vehicle Clubs, so we are very much invested in that point of view and in that action going forward. And uh, the message is, don't panic. Keep going out there and enjoying your classic cars. Keep calm and drive on. Absolutely. We like. We should have some posters <laughs> and T-shirts made up with that on. <laughs> uh, and a lot of people are doing that because, of course, as I mentioned, the FBHVC National Historic Vehicle Survey revealed significant contributions to the UK economy a huge rise in this, uh, up to £7.2 billion in the course of a year. That's amazing. 4,000 businesses employing 34,000 people in the sector. And uh, there's many more enthusiasts that have joined our hobby as well. 700,000, in fact, which is up from half a million uh, four years ago in 2016 when the last survey was uh, undertaken. Interestingly, 56% of vehicles are on SORN, and a large proportion of those vehicles are also worth less than £10,000, which I thought was an interesting stat to That's come out of that research, which suggests that our sector is becoming more diverse and more accessible in many ways. Yeah, accessibility is really important, and we talk about that a lot here on the podcast and in the club in general, because one of the good things about MG is the fact that you can get into what would be considered a classic MG for as little as sort of six or seven hundred pounds. So yeah, it's really interesting to see the the spread of cars, and that, that value figure that you point out is, um, is certainly lower than I would have thought it would be. Yeah, it's amazing. 51% of the historic vehicles out of that one and a half million are worth less than £10,000. Now, that is, of course, as a result of this rolling classification of historic. And it's a 30-year classification that rolls on and on and on. And it's getting to the point where some of those new vehicles that are newly classed as historic vehicles, they're actually not worth an awful lot of money just yet. They haven't reached those heights that the 50s and 60s cars have done. Um, and our own Zs are a perfect example of that. MGFs as well. They are rock-bottom prices at the minute, and I think that's reflected in those results. Now is a great time to get into the classic car world. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, it's never been easier. Something like an MGF, you know, you can use... If you're, if you're investing in the higher end value-wise, you know, you go out and spend eight, nine, ten thousand pounds on an MGB, for example, you're going to be um, selective about what days you use it on, when you use it, how you use it, where you park it. If you can afford to go and spend, you know, a thousand pounds on a on a fairly decent MGF, if you break it, you've not lost too much. If you do break it, you can fix it yourself. You can get out and enjoy it and have every bit as much fun as you could with any other mg absolutely it's really encouraging stuff as well to see the information on here about jobs because um not only is it easy to get into from the point of view of entering the hobby but it's also getting easy to get into from the point of view of having a career and learning the what i call artisan skills needed to keep historic vehicles on the road and there is some fantastic news for the future really that um most businesses in the sector seem to be either employing apprentices or considering a, employing apprentices in, in the future. 
Um, also that we're getting more aware of our actions on the environment, which is a good thing, with 35% of people saying that they either currently contribute to or would contribute to a carbon reduction scheme. But the really interesting figure here, and one that we're going to have to use to our advantage when we start having these arguments in the future, is that it revealed that 21 million people in the UK see historic vehicles as an important part of our national heritage. And I think one of the key things to the argument going forwards will be arguing the point that just alongside stately homes and national trust sites, historic vehicles are a key part of who we are as a nation, our history, and understanding what the future might hold for us. We've all looked at cars from our childhood and, and you know, remember when they were new. Um, and it's important that we are able to share things and hand things down to future generations. You know, I can take my kids to Blenheim Palace and they can have a wander around and, and appreciate it and enjoy it and, and have a wonderful experience. As far as I'm concerned, you know, an MG midget, a 60s MG midget can offer that same sort of, of benefit. So, yeah, we do need to make sure that they're around for future generations to enjoy. Absolutely. But uh, hopefully lockdown and the extra time that some people may have had during this time will help turn some of these other figures around. Like the average mileage covered during the course of a year is only 1200 miles. And also the vast majority of the cars are on sawn. 56% of historic vehicles are registered as on sawn. So get out in then sheds, everyone. Let's get those cars restored back on the roads for everyone to see and enjoy. And uh, let's get them out there and be seen as part of the nation's heritage, which, of course, it looks like the general public want us to be. So you can read the full results on the FBHVC website very soon. The headlines also available on the MG Car Club website. Just click the news button on mgcc.co.uk and you can look at the infographic that the Federation has supplied us there and some of those headlines explained from the guys at the Federation. But good news overall for our sector and good news for the MG Car Club, which remains at the centre of this movement to preserve historic vehicles and from the federation a massive thank you to all of the mg car club members through our newsletters and through our communications who took the time to respond to that survey and contribute to that really important data i know that the federation will take that data and argue our strongest points in parliament in the chambers of power to make sure that all the mg car club members can continue to enjoy mgs no matter what their age or what their power is that keeps the engine moving. So uh, <laughs> uh, good stuff for the future there, Adam. Forgetting about the future for a moment and putting some history back into proceedings as we talk to the chairman of the Midland Centre on the history of the oldest centre in the MG Car Club. It's next. The MG Car Club podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. Well, now on the MG Car Club podcast, we're going to be talking about the oldest 
of the centres in the MG Car Club. Now, we did start a bit of debate about this on the podcast over the past few weeks when we were talking to the South West Centre that I named as one of the oldest of the centres in the MG Car Club. Well, now we have the oldest. It is the Midland Centre. And uh, Roger King joins me on the podcast now, who uh, has got the dubious accolade of being chairman now, haven't you, Roger? Yes, I have. Uh, When it came to our last AGM, there was an, an, an enormous move into the bushes by most of my <laughs> colleagues and so I was the last man standing but I, I'm enjoying it it's it's um I, I've got a lovely team and we're, we're so enthusiastic and uh, our history goes back so far that um you know we're nearly coming up to 90 years of the center that um you feel as though you've inherited something of historical significance in the uh, motor world and uh, that I think is a great honor absolutely and some real luminary names in the history of the Midland Centre as well and let's explore some of that early story and let's take ourselves back then Roger to the 9th of July 1933. Explain how it all began. Well um, it it was a question really of the centre being formed uh, earlier that year in in April Um, and the 9th of July was significant because it was the centre's first organised event which um, was called the Gymkhana and uh, actually it was called Jim Carner and Sealed Speedometer Test, uh, which um, sort of raises eyebrows as to what exactly that was. But it was held on the 9th of July 1933, and the contemporary reports of the time state that um, a rollicking time was had. You can imagine that, can't you, in the late 20s, early 30s, Charleston time, that a rollicking time meant, well, whatever you could like to think it was. Um, and the Gymkhana consisted of, as it says, the title, a sealed speedometer run. Um, not sure how that would work. And we thought last night we could probably do it again. But then someone said, not if you've got GPS telephones, you couldn't because <laughs> you'd be cheating. Um, and I wouldn't sure for sure be that uh, any MG member would want to do that. Then there was something called musical chairs. Uh, how would you do that without bashing into somebody? Uh, curb driving, we could probably all do with some practice over that. A balloon bursting contest, flag driving, whatever that was. A stop and carry one, mm, interesting. Who are you going to carry? The girlfriend, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, a blindfolded driving test. Well, I think we all know what that actually means. So um, apparently everybody had a, a wonderful time, and it all involved the use of cars, MG cars in particular, and the overall winner was a Mr. Langley in his J2 midget. So I think that was a precursor to um, nearly 90 years of having fun with your MG car. Amazing. What fun it sounds. I, I almost wish I could have been there to enjoy some of those mad-sounding games. Well, I think the blindfold driving one might be grounds for divorce if a husband and wife team took it on. But uh, and I, I think it was that fun that made it grow so quickly because by the end of the 1930s, the, num- the, the numbers of people in the Midland Centre had topped 500, hadn't they? Yes, they had. We were quite uh, progressive in that respect. I suspect it's because we had some very good support by um, local MG dealerships who um, particularly uh, helped us out with um, support. Uh, and it, it, um, some of the material that we've got, which is very scant really, does show that um, it was a thriving centre and uh, everybody seemed to be thoroughly enjoying themselves. Um, in fact, um, 
it, it said that we, we actually didn't start any sporting activity until 1937, um, when the centre decided to become involved with competition motorsport. And uh, planning started during that winter, and the first event was a trial on the 13th of February 1938 in the Ludlow Church Stretton area of Shropshire. Um, amazing, really, because every year we send out a team of marshals from our centre for the Clee Hills trial, um, which, of course, is in that particular area. And since that time, the centre's been engaged in always, every year, uh, conducting one, probably two trials a year, because that's very much into uh, history, if you like, of um, providing motorsport on a varied um, type of um, event. And uh, trialling, of course, is, um, goes right to the basis of um, what the MG Car Club was about when it was originally created. Absolutely. Of course, that was the middle of the era for all the cream cracker cars, and we'll be uh, talking about them on another episode on this podcast soon. But when you consider this in the context of the 1930s, the UK was in deep depression. There was already rumblings that the Second World War was about to start. Yet somehow, despite all of that, a car club gets all of these hundreds of people together to go and lark about in cars on trials and other motorsport events. Yes, I think there's a parallel today with the uh, coronavirus situation. I mean, mm. whilst we're all sort of in lockdown or if we're not in lockdown, having to take extreme precautions uh, to avoid ourselves contracting this wretched disease uh, pandemic. Um, nevertheless, when it comes to motorsport activities, well, there's, there's no shortage of people wanting to come forward, whether it was the sprint we held in August or the last trial that we held uh, at the end of September. Uh, we had very good entry lists and people were raring to go. Um, they recognised their responsibilities in terms of the current pandemic pandemic uh, uh, social isolating uh, rules and that we have to comply with but nevertheless they they were happy to say well you know everyone else might be sort of saying they can't do this they can't do that but we can do a little bit of motorsport and we're going to do it and i guess there's an analogy here between the current events and what was happening in the late 1930s let's get on with it let's have some fun mm, absolutely well uh, almost better now really you know than than it was in 1939 because mainly the midland center had to call things to an end during the second world war but when things calmed down the center reformed itself in the November of 1948, didn't it? There, some yes. historical names start to come into play, don't they? John Thornley and even Bill Wallace were all involved in the Midland Centre. That's right. And um, uh, Norman St. John Mitchell was uh, very much in the forefront. And he was elected competition secretary and organised the first post-war event. Um, it was called Exercise Teapot, a drive from Perry Bar, which is a part of Birmingham, uh, to Litchfield for tea. Um, we shouldn't forget that petrol was heavily rationed at this period, so not sure what kind of competition this particularly was, but it was the first sign of um, people getting together and enjoying their, their cars. Um, but uh, John St. Mitchell took the role of re-establishing or, or undertaking to establish the, uh, our Welsh Rally in Wales. And he duly organised the first event in 1950. Um, it commenced again in Birmingham at midnight, so a very different kind of rally from the one that we 
have today. Uh, on a Friday, it covered in excess of 270 miles through the Midlands and into the mountains of North Wales. Competitors finished at Crickheath on Saturday evening with a dinner dance and followed by time driving tests on the seafront during Sunday morning. Our past president's wife, June Wallace, worked tirelessly on Saturday night and Sunday to post results to competitors, which often arrived at their home before they had returned. Crikey, you can't send an email out as quick as that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. He was, he was ahead of his time with social media there, wasn't he? <laughs> right, that's right. Of course, we, we do have um, a wonderful DVD, which was produced by Bill Wallace, um, called Welsh Rallies 1951 to 1954. And uh, looking through that, it's a time warp um, product really but what a lot of fun they had and in many ways we tried to repeat that with our annual Welsh rally which sadly this year was cancelled and we're hopeful that we'll be able to run again in May of this year um, where we, we can't replicate the um, driving tests and the speed uh, element uh, of a rally because um, you know that's that's not something you can do with a touring event um, but we do create recreate some of the ethos of it with a, a lovely drive and um, yes a dinner in the evening and a bit of a dance too if we've got the right discotheque we can encourage people <laughs> to get on the floor but nonetheless it's it's an enjoyable social event so um, yes that continues in the same vein and we're, we're never short of people who want to take part and that's the good thing fantastic well of course we have the bill wallace wing at uh, kimber house uh, named of course after uh, bill wallace who put in an um, incredible 31 years into the midland center didn't he that is such an amazing amount of voluntary effort that he put in to that center i mean the word dedicated doesn't really go no, to it does it, it really uh, doesn't you know it, he he lived and breathed the club and indeed the center uh, of course he acted as clerk of the course for the california cup for 17 years um which was a, a, another commitment he had that was originally of course uh, created by the midland center um who were the original organizers and it's interesting to note that the first um, event was held in 1958 at BMC's Longbridge factory, um, where BMC kindly provided a free bar and over 800 club members came to spectate. And it has to be said that BMC never again showed this kind of hospitality. Hmm. But that was all part and parcel of Bill Wallace's uh, initiative and determination to uh, get BMC to actually be the host uh, for that particular cup. But it got, it got so, it, it grew to such an extent, it was handed over as a sort of national MG car club event, as we hmm. now know it. And the motorsport has remained a key part of the Midland Centre's activities. I know that you, your noggins and natters are very, very popular still, but uh, you have kept motorsport at the core for all of these years, haven't you? Yes. Opinions are always a little divided about this. We're well aware that there are other clubs out there that um, don't really go in for uh, motorsport in the way that the MG Car Club does. But we believe it goes right back <coughs> to what we are fundamentally about. We must never lose sight of the fact that we are trans 
transforming, I suppose, into um, more of a uh, what I call soft sporting uh, club, um, trying to encourage um, a little bit of competitiveness um, within the Motorsport UK rules and regulations. Um, but the, the core of what we've established over 90 years is a strong ethos of sporting events. And that's why we cling to our sprints, uh, two sprints a year um, at Kerbera near Litchfield. And uh, although sometimes um, the numbers of MG cars that we get as uh, entrants um, are not as many as we would like, we have noticed um, last year that there's been quite an upswing and 50% of the competitors turning up are MG drivers. So um, that's, that's very encouraging. And uh, we look forward to building on that in the uh, forthcoming uh, calendar for 19, uh, for, sorry, for 2021. Great. And those people that, dream of motorsport and look at circuit racing and some of the sort of higher echelons of motorsport as being too expensive or inaccessible or just too far out of reach if they come along to the midland center and other mg car club centers like it there is some real great fun grassroots motorsport that you can enter with the car you drive to work isn't there Absolutely right. I mean, I remember I was a BMC apprentice, and in 1965, I took my 850cc Mini with my friend in his TCMG to uh, a uh, meeting at MG Car Club at Silverstone. I mean, all you had to do was just jump in the car, go there, get it scrutineered, put your inertia reel seatbelt on, put a battle bowler on, and go out and do a few circuits. Now, I, I actually was involved with the high-speed regularity thing, so I wasn't actually racing against anybody except the clock but by goodness what a lot of fun and i thought i've got to do more of this and uh, i think even today you know uh, we were discussing this a few months ago at the center uh, committee uh, high speed regularity is a wonderful way of getting people back or, or encouraging newcomers into motorsport not actually racing but experiencing the thrill of um, driving at speed on a on a racing circuit one thinks, okay, we, we do have these uh, track days, but this is a sort of step further uh, from a track day, but not full motor racing. Just mm -hmm. a sort of experience of riding around Silverstone, battling against the clock. Great fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was the MG Car Club that set me on my amateurish approach to motorsport. Well, if you've ever dreamt of doing motorsport, if you've ever wondered how you get into it, this is the way you do it. You come along to an MG Car Club Centre, you meet Roger, and you talk to the guys that have been doing it for years. They'll guide you through it, they'll share some of their experience and help you onto the track or help you into the event. And you don't need an awful lot of expensive preparation to go into a car and it's all good fun and you can drive the car home having not damaged anything at all but just had a thoroughly thoroughly good time and everyone does help everyone else no one's there to sort of make anyone look silly you really do support um new people coming in don't you absolutely yes and uh we we, we thoroughly enjoy newcomers at our sprint meetings because that of course is the real good way to start uh you're just alone on the track you're driving against your not necessarily against others in your class but your own ability to see if you can improve on the uh the the, the previous times you've um uh created and uh it, it is easy to do it is relatively cheap and as you say you turn up in the car and um go back home driving it you're not going to hit anything you're not going to break anything if you're sensible um but it's just jolly good fun
Fast forward to 2020, Roger, and it's been a really weird year, hasn't it? Um, how has the Midland Centre coped with the latest twist in its long history? Well, of course, we were disappointed in uh, not going ahead with um, this year's Welsh Rally. We had uh, uh, over 50 people signed up for it, which was a recent record in in numbers. Uh, we were going off into Wales. Um, we were basing the rally at Telford in a country club there. We got a wonderful programme of events, um, including a Sunday visit to the Ironbridge Gorge Museum. We're still hoping to go ahead with that this year. But it was a sad fact that we had to uh, refund everybody and uh, cancel the event. Um, we we couldn't run with our first sprint. Uh, there were various other events that we'd uh, penciled in for this year, but we had to withdraw those. When it came to August, uh, when it came to July, I should say, we sort of looked and thought, well, at the moment, the virus is reducing in its impact. Uh, what are we going to do about our August sprint? Um, we decided that we'd go ahead with it. Um, we entered a partnership with uh, Shenston and District Car Club and uh, together we put on a, a, an excellent event which everybody thoroughly enjoyed with, with very strict coronavirus rules and MSUK requirements being met and uh, we felt we'd accomplished something and that encouraged us to go ahead with the trial at the end of September and that too proved a great success glorious day um, and all those that uh, entered and including the marshals as well rated it as a, an excellent event so we did put on two events and we're, we're very pleased about that because we can honestly say we've, we've produced a, or run a trial um, every year for as long as anybody can remember and a sprint as well so um, that has created a, a great deal of confidence in us that all things being equal we're um, good to go for 2021 brilliant and anyone who's a regular listener to the mg car club podcast will know just how big a fan i am of trialing and uh, i don't need an, a, a small opportunity to uh, promote it to people and say go on give it a go have a go it's a fantastic form of motorsport that anyone can have a go at and i guess as well the beauty of the midland center and what you do in the region is that you have been there to keep people company and just to keep the community together during the last year haven't you and, and that's been really special to see yes um we, we as i understand our, our natters certainly um our own one in uh, or the one i go to the north swishisha natter has been put into limbo in terms of us meeting but uh, we've had a very successful zoom natters twice a month where everybody can exchange news and views on what's going on um, and uh, as well as um, what's going on in, in the club as well. And that's proved a, a wonderful stocking filler, if you like. And thank goodness we've got that facility because uh, I shudder to think where we would be if we hadn't got uh, Zoom available to hold committee meetings and to be able to socialise in this way. But uh, having done all this for, for months, we really are missing not being able to actually turn up at a pub uh, with our cars and just lounge around with a pint, talking and looking at each other's vehicles, exchanging views and news uh, in the flesh. Um, and I hope that we'll be able to do that, as we all do, in the not-too-distant future absolutely fingers crossed it won't be too long away and this year 2020 it wasn't quite the celebration that we were expecting for the 90th anniversary of the mg car club but 
fantastic to have you on talking from the point of view of the first centre that started almost 90 years ago, very soon after the formation of the uh, Central Club. Is it quite a, a responsibility in a way, do you feel, being chairman of a, a, an MG Car Club centre that has so much history? Well, yes, it's being it's being offered the baton in an Olympic race, isn't it? You don't want to drop it because you're finished if you dropped it. And uh, you know, carrying the uh, centre forward is is the first uh, priority to make sure that uh, this this history of ours does continue. Um, and I think we're we're so enthusiastic as a group that um, we'll be able to do that for um, well for many more years yet because. We, we do have this strong legacy. And I have to say, we also have people, uh, you know, I'm, I'm aided and abetted by, by a wonderful team. And I have to mention Brian Osborne, who's been around since, well, I can't, I can't uh, remember how long he's, uh, he actually said he'd been a, a member of the club. But, I mean, he's over 80 years of age, and he's raring to go on trials and organisations and uh, organising the uh, route of the Welsh Rally, along with our secretary, Paul Hollingworth. Um, these, are, these are wonderful folk who are utterly dedicated to the club. And I sometimes rub my eyes and say, what is it they take that makes them so committed and dedicated? Because I want some of that, and I think I've got a bit of it as well, thanks to their enthusiasm. Well, it certainly sounds like you have, and it's down to people like you, Roger, that we have such a fantastic club, really, in the regions. And uh, wherever you are in the country, there's a bit of the MG Car Club on your doorstep that's full of enthusiasm and will give you a friendly welcome uh, whenever you're ready to go and, and meet them. So if you are in the Midlands area, make sure that you go and check out the Midlands Centre of the MG Car Club. You can find out all the information that you need, really, on their website at MGCC midlandcentre.co.uk. And Roger, if they come and meet you at a, a Natter and a Noggin, what car will you be driving? Well, I'm, I'm, we will most likely be in my um, MG TF uh, 160. Um, it is a 2005 model, one of the last produced at Longbridge, um, and it's um, in a unique colour called um, Aurora Chromactive. Um, there are only three made, one in 2003, one in 2004, and one in 2005, so I had the benefit of the softer ride suspension. Um, it, it's a wonderful colour, but extraordinarily expensive to um, repaint if you need, it, need to do it, because the paint is about £300 for half a litre. Mm. So uh, I, I, I love the car, and uh, I, I look forward to um, you know, using it as often as I can, and as a volunteer at the British Motor Museum I do well I did before lockdown and before they shut up shop for the period um, a day a week there um, working on the historical vehicles there and cataloguing them and I usually take the car off the MG there to the uh, uh, the, to the museum and um, it, so it gets a, a workout at least once a week but uh, hopefully most weekends as well so um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, 2021 there's a lot of things that we've got penciled in and if this virus has uh, dissipated itself we're going to have a very good year great stuff well if you want to get involved in that very good year ahead in 2021 
have a look at that website mgccmidlandcentre.co.uk and uh, also thanks to uh, Paul Hollingworth for uh, getting us in touch Roger and for commenting on uh, the South West Centre interview and reminding us that the Midland Centre started it all in terms of uh, local regions in the MG Car Club so uh, that's the great thing about this podcast it's you telling us what you want us to talk about and it's your podcast and that's what I enjoy doing and I enjoy talking to you Roger because your enthusiasm is fantastic and I'm going to get myself along to a Midland Centre event in the new year because already you've got me with that infectious enthusiasm <laughs> Wait, I just ha- I just hate need to do a name check for uh, uh, Lech uh, Zerusky who um, provided me uh, with all the information not him personally but he, he wrote a, a lot about our history of our club and I've retrieved it from our files so um, thanks to him and he's, he was a wonderful and still is a wonderful uh, member of ours so um, uh, you know look forward to um, meeting you Wayne whenever you want to come and see us at one of our events that, um, that would be great I can't wait Roger thanks for joining us on the MG Car Club podcast thank you the MG Car Club podcast Safety Fast the magazine of the MG Car Club get your copy now by joining us at mgcc.co.uk Well, Adam, great to hear from Roger there and fantastic stories from the history of the Midland Centre, the oldest centre in the MG Car Club. It's amazing just to hear how many luminaries have been through that centre over the years. And of course, at Kimber House, we have the Bill Wallace wing and he was very much a part of the Midland Centre during that history. So I found that fascinating. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. I mean, the the Midland Centre have got, like you say, such a rich history. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Bill Wallace I, I never had the opportunity to meet Bill um, but everyone I did know June his wife who passed away fairly recently um, but everyone who knew Bill has nothing but the the warmest of, of words for him and I think it was really summed up uh, by our president John Day when he said to to know Bill Wallace is to know the MG car club so yeah, people like Bill are, are a testament to a wonderful centre and, and a wonderful bunch of guys, and Roger's doing a, a brilliant job as their chairman. And it just sounded like so much fun, all of the motorsport events they've got going on and the obvious camaraderie that they have around them. If you're listening to this and you just want to get a little bit more out of your MG, you don't have to be in the Midlands to join in with the Midlands Centre. Go and join in with these events. Go and support them, especially if you, if you fancy marshalling or helping them out and especially if you fancy just getting your MG down there and having a go. This is a great thing about the MG Car Club. You can go to whichever area of the country you like. They just want your support for these events, and you can hear how much fun they're having. So uh, it be a fantastic thing to be a part of that. So get in touch with them. You'll find the link to their website on mgcc.co.uk under the centres directory there, and uh, get in touch with Roger and all the team down, down there and go and have some fun with them. They sound like a great bunch, having great fun in MGs. And if you have an MG that you haven't told us about by the way we'd like to hear from you because it's important for the club that we keep all of the records together on cars that members own so that we can deliver services to you that fit your needs so uh, it's important isn't it Adam that people get in touch with the club to keep their car records up to date how can they do that yeah so if you go onto the members area uh, and log in you can check your current vehicle information through the members area Um, you can update um, certain information about your vehicle um, but if you haven't told us about a car and if a car isn't listed there um, then the best thing to do is to get in touch with Liz um, she can then 
provide you with a register your car form um, and then we can get that information to the relevant register so that you really do get the most out of your membership because don't forget when you're a member of the club you essentially get and I always say this you essentially get the membership of three clubs for one you get membership of the main club you get membership of your local centre and you get membership of your register and if we don't know that you drive, I don't know, an MGA twin cam, we can't put you in touch with the twin cam group. So therefore you miss out on a huge chunk of benefit of your membership. So um, do do let us know which car you've got so that we can get you in touch with the right people so that you really do maximise your membership. Do that, mgcc.co.uk. Help us to help you and all that good stuff. Keep your records up to date on what cars you are currently owning and driving and restoring. And also, while you're there, you can get your Christmas shopping done because the MG Car Club shop is continually adding new gifts and new prezzies for you. Uh, great merchandise on there in the run-up to Christmas. And we've even got baubles, Adam. <laughs> I love this. You can get your Christmas baubles now via shop.mgcc.co.uk. There's Christmas baubles on there with the MGAs on them, MGBs, TFs from the 1950s, and all sorts of other classic MGs. £7.25 each, a bargain to hang on your Christmas tree. And uh, yeah, Christmas baubles with MGs on them. Who'd have ever thought it, Adam? I know it's great and then the nice thing is you know we've covered a, a few key models um, so if you've got a nice shiny uh, Naughties TF outside you can now hang that on your Christmas tree um, we've got the MGB I think we've got Midget I think we've got TF 1500 um, so they're really nice they're again they're handmade uh, they're, they're in wood um, and they're just they're just lovely you know it's easy to buy sort of cheap chintzy Christmas presents and Christmas decorations but this is a really nice one so um, yeah well worth hanging on your Christmas tree all you need at the top really is a big MG octagon to go on the top of your tree and that would be a fully themed Christmas tree sounds a good idea to me mate tell you it's the angel of the future <laughs> gift boxes are available with a whole load of lovely prezzies in there for the MG person in your life basically you can find them on the shop now and there are they're sort of tiered aren't they Adam for different budgets different tastes there's even one with just chocolate in there when you're wanting to have a bit of a moment to yourself over Christmas and uh, enjoy your enjoy your Christmas gift there uh, they are all gift wrapped and nicely presented in boxes and it's just a nice way of buying several little different bits of merchandise in one nicely presented package isn't it just get it in one hit job done christmas is stressful enough without trying to hunt down lots and lots of presents also a good one here is a brand new book that's available through the shop at the moment a fantastic present for the mg person in your life and it's the mg z cars book brand new out by craig cheatham it's available through the shop at 14.99 and you can order it now in time for christmas and you'll be able to wrap it up and it'll be a fantastic gift so you can find them all at shop.mgcc.co.uk if you're struggling to find any of the products that we talk about here on the podcast it's just got easier to find them when you land on the shop homepage, scroll to the very bottom, you'll find a big button there saying podcast products. And basically all of the products that we talk about here on the MG Car Club podcast for you are listed under there. If we've talked about it, it will be listed under that category on the MG Car Club shop. Easy way to find stuff, isn't it, Adam? It's easy. Takes all the pain, all the hassle out. Just go down, mash that podcast button and boom. Easy stuff. I'm going to go and do some more Christmas shopping now. So for me, Wayne Scott, and for another MG Car Club podcast, cheerio from me. And from me, Adam Sloan. I'll see you soon. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at 
mgpodcast.uk.